When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our long weekend edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today we decided to do something we did uh, back around Memorial Day, where we went to our texters and we basically said, hey, ask us anything. So Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, Ashley Bastock, and I answer questions about uh, movies we're watching, shows we're binging, sports that the sporting events that we've been to that we weren't covering, that we remembered, favorite concerts, all sorts of things like that coming up here on this special edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Just kind of taking a break uh, from the grind of everything going on with the Cleveland Browns right now. Now, like I said, I went to our Football Insider subscribers to get these questions. If you want to be a Football Insider subscriber, all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page so you can get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every day. You can get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns and you can become one of our tech subscribers. And the next time we do one of these, or the next time we do a Hey Mary Kay pod, anything like that, you can send us in your questions. All right, here we go. Our Ask Us Anything here on a special long weekend edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. And away we go on your long weekend Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, we did this... Memorial Day weekend, we're going to do it again. We went to our football insiders and basically said, ask us anything that's not about the stuff you'd normally ask us. So uh, they came through. As always, we got a lot of responses and uh, some very interesting ones um, that, that people wanted to know about our lives. I don't know why people want to know these things about our lives, but they do. So this one comes from the 330 area code. I'm going to edit this one just a little, but the question is, what was your first job? Um, we don't have to say first job, maybe like weirdest job before you got into journalism or while you were in college or something. Who's got a good one here? Who had a good sort of weird like, I'm sorry, what did you do, Mary Kay? Well, I've had so many jobs. I feel like I've been working since I was in kindergarten. I was born ready to work and I will work probably until they close the casket. Um, this so, is the least surprising thing I have ever heard right. on this podcast that right. Mary Kay Cabot was born to work. Yeah, Mary Kay, <laughs> tell us something we don't know about you. So I've been working uh, since kindergarten, pretty much 24 seven. And um, that's just how I'm built. And I've had a million jobs. I think that the first sort of like, you know, biggest job that I had was I worked at McDonald's. And I actually I wanted that job so bad. I I said I was 16, but I really was only 15. So I started at McDonald's. Yeah. That's like the story of like people like signing up for the war and forging. But you did it to make fries. I did it to make fries. And every weekend I worked from six to two. And, you know, six in the morning until two in the afternoon, I did the breakfast shift. I was going to say the breakfast rush. I did the breakfast rush. And I, you know, by that, I saved up enough to buy myself a Toyota Celica to take with me to college, a little stick shift that I had to learn how to drive. But that wasn't the interesting job that I was going to tell you about. 
I have a couple of those, but um, the one I did want to bring up is the fact that everywhere I went, everybody was very original uh, with the jokes. And they would all say to me, oh, do you sell Mary Kay Cosmetics? Do you sell Mary? I got it all the time. So lo and behold, (laughs) one day I was like, you know what? Why not give it a shot? Right. Got the branding. I'm doing this. So I was, I think I was, yeah, I was in college or maybe high school, heading off to college, something like that. And I became a Mary Kay cosmetics salesman, salesperson. It was your destiny. It was my destiny. And I won the pink car for a week. So I drove around and yeah, I drove around in a pink car for a period of time. Um, And I, I found out that I was actually a really good makeup salesperson. So if this gig doesn't work out, you know, I've got something I can fall back on, but I was really good at it. But what I discovered was that I didn't like making people part with their money. I didn't, I did not enjoy that. I was like, oh no, you don't really need that. (laughs) I found it to be like easy. And they were like, sure, you know, take all this money. And I just felt so bad doing that. Well, Mary so, Kay, would, would you like to take a minute to tell everyone about Football Insider? <laughs> no, I'll let you do that, Dan. Oh, man. But anyways, so that was, yeah, that, that was fun. And it went, you know, I got a lot of mileage out of that whole thing. A, a Toyota Celica, I do want to ask, who else on this podcast could drive stick shift? I can't. Can't, Doug? You didn't, you didn't say that would be a question. Uh, one, <laughs> one time I babysat for somebody in high school and I had to drive their car from one place to their house. And it was a stick shift and I didn't know how to drive a stick shift. And I got it to their house. I only drive like two miles and I parked it on their street and went in the house. And like half an hour later, the neighbor called and their car was in the neighbor's yard because I had not put it in gear correctly when I parked it and it was on a (laughs) slope and it rolled down the street and rolled across the street up over the curb and went into their yard. And I was like, I don't know how to drive stick shift. This isn't my fault. So no, Dan, I can't drive stick shift. Like I'm going to, my car is going to be like rusted out around me because I'm convinced the next time I need to buy a new car, I won't be able to find one. They don't make them anymore, Mary Kay. Oh my God, Dan. I loved driving a stick shift. Do you love it? Oh, it's great. It's great. It's like a a must have for me. And that's, I'm worried about it now. Oh my God. I should have kept some of my old cars for you. (laughs) I could could be driving around in that Toyota Celica right now. You would would love it. You could get (laughs) 250,000 miles on those things. See? I bought it with my McDonald's money. (laughs) You would have loved it. Who else had a weird, a weird job? Doug, come on, you had to have something. So I worked, I'll talk about two things. I worked at an amusement park in the town next to my house at Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania, oh. if anybody's ever gone there. And I worked in a, in a food stand and uh, I would make chicken fingers and then I would put chicken fingers in my pocket and they'd be like <laughs> so hot, they would like burn my thigh. And then I would eat chicken fingers all day while I was working. So I I worked at that amusement park for two summers. That was a great job. And then one of my other jobs in college, I had a work study job where back in the day, like, I don't know if they have these anymore because you just have like electronic things, but I sat at the front of a dorm and made people sign in. If you were visiting somebody in that dorm, they called it a security monitor. Oh, I did that too. 
Yeah. So that was a good job because you could sit and do do homework or watch Love TV it. or whatever Love and just it. sit there for six hours from 8 p.m. till 2 a.m. in the morning. And Love one that. night, one of the members, I don't know if I can say this on a podcast, one of the <laughs> members of a foot of the of the football team came down and dropped off the keys to his room and said that his football friends were coming over and that he was going to be back in like half an hour. And I wasn't really supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to like give keys to somebody and let these guys in. That's not really how it's supposed to work, but he was large. And he said, (laughs) tell them beers in the fridge, pornos in the VCR. I'll be back in half an hour. Oh my God. And I was like, yes, Mr. Football player. And then these football guys came and I think I said that and I gave them the keys and they went on to their lives and I cashed my work study check. Can oh, you say that? Bonnie, so yeah. Sure. That's I like know, a, I guess. That's like one of my that's like a t-shirt. I could wear a t-shirt that says that. That <laughs> phrase is embedded in my head that I will never forget that. Oh, the, I love it. In the VCR, he was thoughtful. Like I, I did. Yeah, no, it is. It's like it's I don't I, I assume he rewound it, right? So it was ready for everybody. <laughs> but it like dates me so much. Like in the V like it's so it's such a perfect encapsulation of my my college existence. Oh That's my funny. gosh. Well, Ashley, I think you've been a sports reporter since like you graduated yeah, college. <laughs> Before <laughs> college. I was it's weird. So first of all, like I don't I don't have any stories that are gonna top Mary Kay or or now Doug's. Um <laughs> I did have a work study job in college at John Carroll. I was sitting here trying to think about it. I do not remember what I did. It was in the communications <laughs> department. I'm pretty sure I just like organized papers for them. I think maybe they told me it was just a work study job and I was just like recycling for them. I'm not sure. Um, and then in, in, but in high school and in college, like basketball was pretty much my life in high school, volleyball as well. So in the summers, that, that's basically all I did. Couldn't get a summer job, but in basketball, we did have to referee and keep score for like the middle school kids. And I think they paid us maybe like 20 bucks for each weekend that we did this. Um, And parents are insane. Like parents of younger kids, I think are more crazy during those games than like our parents were as varsity parents. So that was just intense. I just remember getting yelled at during fifth grade girls basketball for like calling travels when, um, let's be honest, some of them don't know how to dribble period and are just walking around with the ball. So those are really the only crazy jobs I had, but like Dan said, like in college, like all my internships were media related, (laughs) related basically. So I don't have any fun stories like like Doug and Mary Kay have and I know Dan has a few that oh, I'm sure Dan. Get to right now <laughs> you definitely <laughs> do Dan I I feel like I've said this on the podcast before but I was a bus driver yes that was that was one. my that was the a bus campus driver. loop the campus loop right campus loop the stadium route the west main east main Never drove the Ravenna route. That one scared me. That one was like too, <laughs> it, it was too complicated. There were lots of turns and, and I heard horror stories of people missing turns and things like that. So I, I never did the Ravenna route, but Southwater, maybe this rings a bell for some of our it, listeners. It rings a bell for me. Did you, did you ha- ever have anybody on the campus loop that, you know, was a little tipsy? Um, probably. That was probably me. <laughs> <laughs> I was, we're a little different. I I was co-workers with James Harrison for a semester because he was also a campus bus driver until he wasn't, maybe it was like two weeks, but uh, yeah, that was, that's that easily my 
my strangest job. Did they train you or just give they, you the keys and say go? <laughs> well, they trained us, but they essentially just gave us the keys and told us wow, to go. Wow, that's no, a scary was, thought. You know, it was, um, I hit a curb during my test and, you know, they were cool with that. They said, eh, no big deal. Who doesn't hit a curb, right? You loved that job, didn't you, Dan? I actually did. I did. Every now and again, I'll drive by like an RTA bus and I'll be like, oh, I kind of missed that a little bit. <laughs> That's so funny. I do. I just, one ahead. of the things you do though is you do judge like, you know, when like when you see a bus make a turn or like you, you're very judgmental about other drivers. Even all these years <laughs> later, I'm still very judgmental about other bus drivers. It's like the knowledge can't leave your brain. Yeah, it's exactly. Just stuck there. Exactly. I asked about the the camp we used to take the campus loop to the bars i mean we're like why couldn't we just walk what were we doing i mean i could see taking it home but why did we have to take the campus loop to the bar well we also had what they called the drunk bus which was mm. that was interesting and tell me uh, about the drunk bus i don't think uh, we had- i don't think i drove that one very much but it just went downtown and back i will tell this story so we did charters okay so people <laughs> could this was a student run organ like this was all student run so like all the drivers were students, the, the like level of supervisors just above us were students. Um, that and, feels extremely unsafe. Well, you in know, a college environment. <laughs> it might have been. It, it could have been. But we also had charters. So the Cleveland Lumberjacks chartered us out. And I grabbed I grabbed that charter because it was a way to make some extra money. And the job, the charter was pick them up at the Kent State Ice Arena and drive them to like Brook Park where their arena was. But they said, hey, we want to stop downtown. So I picked them up at like seven o'clock and they're like, hey, we want to stop downtown and have dinner and and all this. They stayed at the bars till two in the morning. You drove that (laughs) bus downtown? Oh, that's what they did. The Cleveland Lumberjacks wanted to go downtown. I took them downtown and they stayed there and they kept coming out every like hour. And they were like, I can't do a Canadian accent. They were like, hey, buddy, we're going to be here for a little while longer. Okay. I just sit there and then like two in the morning, they all come stumbling onto the bus and I got to drive them out to Brook Park. Oh my God. So basically in the pre-Uber days, you were the first Uber. That's right. I guess it was. They they owe you money now, I think. You might have a real claim there. Probably. They stayed out out of the bathroom on the charter bus, which was all that mattered to me. (laughs) So didn't you, wasn't there a job at Kent State that you wanted or tried out for and didn't get <laughs> uh yeah i did try out to be the mascot and it did so, not go well i think you need to what tell happened? that story okay I, I wanted to be flash the eagle <laughs> and the way you did it was you showed up and based on the number of people that they had there you got like a part of a football game and there were like eight of us and so i got half of a quarter and during that half of a quarter, I almost hit somebody in the face trying to give them a high five. <laughs> and I almost knocked over somebody's some little kid's nachos. I went to like say hi to him. I almost knocked his nachos over. <laughs> and I think I might have made another little kid cry. And so I did not. I did not get that job. Oh, I wish we had that on video. Yeah, it was tough. The tryout would have been classic. It was Love not it. great. I could have been flash. Oh, missed I, opportunity. The mascot career you could have gone on to. Dan. I know. I, I don't know how that works. If you start at like in like college and then you move up to like you could have been the, slider. The Akron, the Akron yeah. arrows, yeah. and then you get called mm. up to slider. I don't know. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real missed opportunity. But oh. uh, 
Yeah, that, that one still haunts me a little bit. And a couple of years ago, my kids got their pictures taken with the Kent State mascot. And oh, it really, it stung. It really stung that they embraced him so heartily and without knowing my history. All right, let's move on to another. This is just turning into heartbreak. This is turning into Dan heartbreak <laughs> stories. And I don't like it. All right. Here's another one. Alex in Oklahoma City. What is everyone's favorite sporting event they've attended in person but weren't covering? Oh, I have one. Tough one. All right, go ahead. Mary Kay's got one for everything. <laughs> yeah, later, if we run out of time, I have another job story I could tell. Um, <laughs> but um, the Masters, the Masters. I, I haven't actually been to all that many sporting events that I'm not covering because, you know, even, you know when I've gone to the Olympics, I'm covering it. When I've gone to the Super Bowl, I'm covering it. But when I went to the Masters, I was not covering it. I was just enjoying every minute of it. And it is just in my mind, sort of as magical as you think it is. And it's just got all the aura about it. And it was so cool to be there. I, I absolutely loved it. That's, that's kind of a bucket list one, right? Like, like that's one that yeah. would, it would just be cool to go to and, and see. Doug, it looked like you had something. Well, part of me is like, I was like, can I remember a sporting event I, <laughs> I attended that I wasn't covering? And then I thought, that is sad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think because, because listen, we all, we do this for a living now, but the reason we do it for a living is because there was a time when we didn't do it for a living and we thought it, sports were fun or we, we don't you know, <laughs> stumble into this, right? You do it because you like it. So when I was a kid and I grew up in Pennsylvania, I grew up about two hours from Philadelphia. So we would go to, and I was a big baseball fan and we would go to, I don't know, my dad and I would go to four or five Phillies games a year. And after every single game, we would go down into the player's parking lot and wait for the players to come out to their cars to get autographs. And uh, like, I, I don't know that, I was ever more excited in my life for anything than to be standing in the player's parking lot, like with a little notepad waiting to see which player was going to come out the door and who might give me their autograph that day when I was nine years old. And, uh, and one day, like Mike Schmidt was my favorite player and Mike Schmidt, like one day at one time I got Mike Schmidt's autograph and we like, he like crouched down behind his car because he didn't want like a whole mob of kids to see him. And like, he signed my pad and it's like, I, is that the greatest moment of my life? May I don't don't tell my <laughs> wife and my kids that, but maybe I don't know. You're nine and you're kneeling behind a car with your favorite player getting a secret autograph. So, like, I'm trying to remember, like, like you know, you sit in the we sat in the upper deck for three bucks, you know, when we used you'd buy five soft pretzels for a dollar from a guy in a shopping cart shopping cart out in the parking lot and. And go and and I mean, but like, was it? It's like the greatest thing that you could do. What what's a greater thing that you could do than to go to a baseball game with your dad when you're nine? And then we'd stay until the bitter end. We'd stay. We'd be the last people in the parking lot getting an autograph. So, like everything else that I've done, like like individual events, I covered this. I covered the LeBron James high school game uh, when I worked in Delaware and his, and saying his high school team played in Delaware. That's one of the greatest games I've ever been at because they lost um, on this last second shot. And it's, I've talked about it a lot, but like I was covering it. I was, I I didn't cover it for, I wasn't there for fun. So I like, that was what that, that, that's sports to me. 
It's like being nine years old and doing that with your dad. So um, it's not a single game, but it's like we did that 50 times. Mm -hmm. And every time it was like the greatest thing you could do. I was trying to come up with one and like I was having the problem of like, oh, I was there when this happened. Like LeBron James hits that shot against the Magic in game two. I think it was that 2009 or something. And I'm like, oh, that was cool to be there. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, I was working there. (laughs) I, I was working that day. So I, I guess the one I came up with was, I think it was game, it was one of the ALDS games in 1997 against the Yankees, and Sandy Alomar hit a home run off Mariano Rivera. And I just kind of, I just remember that. And it was one of those things that I've heard, like, Indians fans, now Guardians fans talk about, like, since then. And it's like, oh, yeah, I was there. I remember that. I think in the moment I wasn't, like, as into it, but now it's like, oh, yeah. I was there for a pretty big Sandy Alomar home run. And Mariano Rivera is a Hall of Famer, and he never blew a save in the postseason except for that one. So, you know, that, that, that was pretty important. Ashley, yeah. do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of running into the same problem. Like, all my best things that I've been to in person have all been things I covered. But kind of like Doug, I mean, mine is just growing up and, and going to Indians games really more than anything. I mean, the one that jumped out in my mind is – it would have been when I was in college. I think it was the 2013 season. Remember that team was like kind of on the brink towards the end of making, getting in the wild card, maybe sneaking in there. And it was when Giambi was here and he hit like a crazy walk-off home run and there was like no one there. And I was there with my cousin who we would go to a lot of games together and do that thing where we bought bleacher seats and just kind of like snuck our way down to wherever. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that on a podcast, but (laughs) I think that's kind of the standard. We just, we do that like every time we go to games still, if I, if I happen to go with her. Um, So that sticks out for me in my mind, but, but like you, Dan, it's like, I have a lot of LeBron ones. Like I have a lot of, you know, guardians ones, um, from covering them, but not from, not from going in person. It's a weird, it's a weird feeling. So I I feel like this question is it's, it's framed wrong. It should be, what was our favorite moment to be at work-wise, right? Yeah. Like, cause I think that we all have so many more to choose from. Somebody, somebody asked me this the other day and I brought up, it it probably would be that LeBron shot in 2009, but I, yeah, I did the LeBron shot against the Raptors. His that was his last year here, I think. Okay, twenty like eighteen. Um, that was a crazy shot. And then I also was covering the would have been the ALDS series against the Yankees in like twenty seventeen when Francisco Lindor hit the grand slam and <laughs> and uh, Jay Bruce hit a home run into the bleachers and Jan Gomes, I think won it with a walk-off. That game was an insane game to cover. And then they, of course, they went on to lose that series and and the Yankees advanced, but um, those two are always the first ones that come to my mind. I will say, and I kind of forgot about this a little bit. Now, my husband, who is a huge Cleveland sports fan of, of all kinds and a huge Ohio state fan, huge, huge Ohio state fan. Um, and so he, he reads all your stuff and listens to your stuff and thinks you're phenomenal. Um, Thanks. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but he always has season tickets, a part of a season ticket package to everything. So I've been able to go to the NBA finals when the Cavs were in it. I've been able to go to the World Series. So I've done those two things when I didn't have to cover them. And it was great fun. I mean, great fun, but 
it feels very weird for me to be at a sporting event in Cleveland and cheering. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like I'm not allowed to do this. Right. Because technically, you know, like what if they ask me, Hey, we need somebody to fill in tomorrow night. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, can you go do a sidebar? You know, and there I am like, (laughs) woohoo. So, so that was always kind of weird, but from a a moment standpoint. Okay. And I'm going to date myself here. Uh Oh, badly. And it's so sad, but you know what? It is what it is. It just is what it is. I, and you guys know, some of you know this, I wrote the sidebar. I was sidebar girl, (laughs) Michael Jordan over Craig Elo. I mean, oh, come on, you, yeah. you guys don't even know who Craig Elo is, probably. Doug, you might. Um, I might have. Yeah. I do. Yeah, the last kidding, the last dance and all uh, that. You know, I think the, it yeah. brought it into people's minds. The, the ninety two the ninety two Cavs are like one of my yeah. favorite teams ever. So yeah, I didn't know the magnitude of that at that time, right? Yeah, I wrote the sidebar. How funny Bananas. is that? Do you That's still have true. it? I found it recently. Yeah, I have it. I would love to know the lead, like what your lead was on oh, it. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I can't remember what the lead was. I, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I nailed it. I can't remember. There are definitely times when you cover something and you don't realize in the moment how momentous it is. <laughs> exactly. Right. Which is well, like the, the history part of it, like hasn't sunk in on you yet. I, no. I, I definitely had that happen. Yeah. Right. Because what happens is you're on deadline, right? You're on deadline. And all you all you can think about, especially back then when we had really tight newspaper deadlines back then. And I mean, if you had an 11 p.m. deadline and you got it in at 10:59, you were really pushing it. And so it was so stressful after those night games back then. I didn't realize in the moment the magnitude of that. And it's just so funny now that it's you know still famous. And I'm like, oh, there I was. <laughs> Standing there, talking to Craig Elo, asking him about that. The the problem with going to an event, to a sporting event as a fan now, is like, I still think about it and like work, like, oh, this happened, that's going to be a headline. Or like, you know, this there's going to be four stories out of this game. And like, just as an example, the Browns have bye weeks. You know, I'm sitting there watching NFL games at one o'clock. And it starts to get to like 3.30, 3.45. The game's starting to to wind down that first window of games. And I always have this moment of panic where I'm like, wait a second, I haven't started writing yet. <laughs> this game's yeah. almost over and I haven't started writing yet. And, and then I realize like, no, wait, I'm just sitting at home watching it on TV and it's not yeah. in the rounds. I, I will say I it was just strokes of luck early in my career. I covered the, uh, I covered the Michael Jordan flu game in utah and the browns in the bulls fifth title run and then the next year that was the last year that i covered the bulls that was at my first job and then the next year i left and i was covering the phillies but i peeled off the phillies and i I went and caught and covered the mcguire sosa home run chase in september uh and was there when like the cubs and the cardinals were playing each other and when mcguire broke the record um so that was like when I was like 24 and 25 and it's been all downhill since. <laughs> Can I say though, too, as an honorable mention for me, and I'm sure Doug probably feels the same way. Like I loved covering the Ohio state and Michigan football games that I've gotten to cover. Like I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, 
have maybe gotten to experience that as fans if you're Ohio State fans, but there is just, I've been in both stadiums to do it and it's just bananas. Like regardless of what the records are or anything like that. And both the ones I saw were Ohio state wins. Um, and, and it's just really cool. The, the one in 2018, I guess it would have been when it was at Ohio state, like going down on the field when they're doing Carmen, Ohio, and the students are rushing the field. It's like, you get chills. If you, if you grew up here and are seeing that. The 2006, the one versus two, um, Ohio State Michigan game in 2006 with all the drama, Bo Beckler dies right before it, and all the things around that. Mm. And you, you knew that that was one of those where you knew the magnitude of that. And so, like to get to be able to do that, yeah, I, I certainly that's one of the best things I've done too. Super, super quick uh, coverage story, which this doesn't really fit. So maybe another day we could do like funny, quirky things that have happened while on the beat. But this was many, 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 many years ago, and I, I used to do a little bit of everything kind of the way that you do now, Ashley, sometimes they'll say, go cover an Indians game, go cover a Cavs game, whatever. So I did all that. Um, so I was filling in, I was Paul Hoynes um, one night covering, covering the Indians. And I was, I was nervous about it. I was really, really nervous. I was, I was, you know, I was young and, um, and it was just, you know, I, I wasn't super experienced in covering night deadline baseball games and, and I was nervous. So, um, so I go down uh, to the ballpark and I get out, I park my car, go in, cover the game. And I was kind of the last one out. And, um, and so I'm, I'm going to my car late alone, scary as heck down there. And all of a sudden a car starts creeping up on me real slowly. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to die. Okay. And we didn't have, you know, it's not like I had some cell phone back then that I could just call 911 or my mom or my dad or something to save me. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is it. I've, you know, I've lived a pretty good life would have, you know, liked to have gotten married and had some children, but it's over. So the car slows down, stops guy rolls his window down, starts yelling at me. Turns out it was Pat Corrales the Indian, then Indians general manager asking me what the hell I was doing, walking by myself to my car that late. <laughs> and so he picked me up, took me to the car. When I got to the car, it was still running from when I got out of it. Hey, I left it on. I was so nervous wow. about covering the game. Oh my I gosh. The car on the whole time. That is a great ending <laughs> oh to that story. My God. <laughs> I get it though. Like, I mean, I just covered a Guardians game yesterday. It was a walk-off win. And I was texting Joe Noga afterwards. First of all, shout out to Joe and Hoinsey because the stress I felt yesterday and like writing three stories, I'm like, I don't know how they do what they do at the pace they have to do it. Um, but I texted Joe because obviously it was a walk-off win. And I'm like, my Apple Watch logged it as a workout as I was trying to write my lead and get it into <laughs> our editor before I had to go downstairs. And I still missed Terry Francona uh, and Andre Simenez. I still missed those interviews, but got it, you know, from, from the other uh, very friendly beat writers. But to Mary Kay's point, it is stressful when you kind of have to jump in and, and pinch hit to use the baseball yes, <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> it really is, especially, you know, when you're, you know, not, used to writing those games. I mean, those guys, like you said, and, and Doug, you know, because you covered baseball on a regular basis, it takes a different type of personality, different breed. You have to be, you know, kind of unflappable and you've got to be ready for anything. And, and we all do, of course we all do, 
Uh, but those guys have to do it, you know, so many times, you know, a, a year. And, uh, and if you're not used to it, it, it and you're young in the business and you're trying to figure out the whole thing, yeah, you, you just might leave your car on sometime. I mean, it's just going to happen. <laughs> That's why I did. I was a baseball beat writer for four years. And then I bailed because I oh, was not, I was not. It's, a lot. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I give those guys a lot of credit. And I loved the, I thought Joe did such a good story on the, um, he did. on the Naylor walk off the other day. That was really good. I covered a series in Minnesota, four game series once. It was actually, I think it was that 2013 year when they made the playoffs okay. and uh, it was the last series. And I just, at, at one point I'm like, what am I still doing in, in Minneapolis? Right. Why am I still here? It was, it's just <laughs> so long to be somewhere and yeah. just cover a baseball game every day. I'll tell one last story of a thing I covered. Um, and again, I don't know if I can say this on a pod or not. So <laughs> when I was working in the, in, at, in Wilmington, Delaware, in the Philadelphia suburbs, it was Charles Barkley's last season. And he was coming to play his last game in Philadelphia, you know, after he had started his career with the Sixers, but he was going to finish out that season. And then I'm looking it up right now. It was on uh, December 8th, 1999. It turns out he tore, he ruptured his quad, the tendon in his quad in that game. And it wound up being the final game of his career. Like it happened in Philadelphia. So he came in and did the press conference afterward. And you knew that Charles Barkley was like hilarious and smart and quick and clever, but you didn't know he's going to go on to be one of the funniest people on TV. So we did the whole press conference and I followed, I, I got into this habit pretty early. I'm sure everybody, you just follow people. You just go with people as long as you can go with them. So the news conference ends. And if he walks out, don't sit in the news conference, just walk. And see what happens. So I walked out in the concourse and they loaded him into the back of this little truck to drive him away. And I don't know if I was the only reporter out there, but there weren't many people. And as they're driving away, Charles Barkley yells, just what the world needs, another unemployed black man, (laughs) which is a hilarious thing to say at the end of your basketball career. And like, I was the only person I think who heard it. And he shouted it in the concourse. It's like the great ending to your story. I was like, what color? And then it's like, he goes on to be Charles Barkley. And they took it out of my story. Well, now it's on the record. It has officially made it. Yeah, now, all 23 these years, years all later. All these years later, it has officially made it onto the record. All right, let's take a break. And then we have some entertainment questions that, that were thrown at us. And I want to get to those. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, we're doing a texter, ask us anything. Uh, We got a lot of questions. We are not going to get to all of them, um, but we appreciate, of course, our Football Insider subscribers always with this, with Hey Mary Kay. Whenever we ask for questions or ask for feedback, you always come through, and I promise you, we are reading it. If we don't talk about it on the pod, we at least see the questions, and uh, some of them we do even discuss off the air. So, uh, So even if you don't, hear them answered on this podcast. Maybe we've, we've discussed it elsewhere and you're just not allowed to hear what we said. Anyway, uh, I wanted to ask this one because I made a, I made an error last night and every now and again, I do this. Um, I guess just, you know, just to feel something. I go to Netflix and I watch the pilot episode of Friday Night Lights and I know how it's going to end. I'm going to just watch the other 75 episodes too. And so this person asked the question, Rob from Norton, what shows are you binging right now or plan to? And Rob, I'm probably going to end up binging Friday Night Lights for like the sixth time uh, in, in probably the last 
six or seven years. Um, and also, you know, we're recording this on the day that the new Stranger Things comes out, which I'm not oh, a big I'm not a big watcher yeah. of, but I know obviously so that's a big deal was, for people. I was Maybe Ashley say and I need to just talk Barry for a little while. Yeah, like Barry, I feel like I'm constantly re-binging because it's so good. I'm like, just, just, and the episodes go so quick. They're only a half hour and there's only eight of them in a season. Like, boom, boom, boom. Um, Stranger Things, I am, I've watched the first episode. I watched it this morning, but only two new episodes got released and they're really long. They're like movie, movie length. So I don't know if that counts for a binge. Um, but the other thing that I've started watching, and I honestly can't tell you why I never got into these shows, and it's not highbrow, it's very lowbrow, very guilty pleasure, started watching The Real Housewives, and just kind of started a random franchise. I watched all of Salt Lake. I'm currently on Beverly Hills, so <laughs> we're just going with trash reality TV that is mindless and takes me totally, totally unwinding. Like totally no worries when I'm just watching like Lisa Rinna yell at Erica Jane. Like it's great. <laughs> That's funny. I I've never watched those, but because, I don't know how I missed them now that I started. But you know, because I have watched the Kardashians in the past, I probably would like those as well. But, um, but the thing that I, I have, to, I've got it to say, I have another story. I have another story <laughs> about something uh, that my husband and I try, were so excited to watch. All right. Has anybody else on this pod totally gotten into Peaky Blinders? Anybody? If I have it in my queue and I've okay. still never watched it. Okay. I, I mean, I named my cat Shelby after Thomas Shelby. Okay. Love the Peaky Blinders. And I don't know if I told you guys, I don't think I already said this on a pod. If I did, forgive me. Um, but we waited, my husband and I, we loved Peaky Blinders. Now, my tip on Peaky Blinders is that two tips. You have to use subtitles. They've got very- Because they all talk like this the whole time, right? <laughs> you will not yeah. understand what they're saying. You have to use the subtitles and then you can get into it. And, it's, and it might take three episodes, maybe four to hook you. But if you're going to like it after that, you're going to love it. Um, but so you got to stick with it a little tiny bit. So we fell in love with Peaky Blinders. Absolutely love it. Um, and we couldn't wait. We had to wait like, I don't know, two years for this season to come back. And uh, so all of a sudden one day we see, oh, Peaky Blinders is out. And so we got all you know settled in here in the living room. My husband turns it on and we're watching it. And we're, we're like, gosh, I wonder if we should have reviewed a little bit. Some of this just doesn't like, it's not adding up. It feels a little bit weird. We're missing some things that the pieces are not, the puzzle's not coming together here. It was still good. It was very, very intense, very compelling. We were loving it and we couldn't wait to watch more. So we got ready to watch the second episode and we sat there waiting for it to come up and nothing came up. And my husband said, uh-oh. I said, what? And he said, we just watched the sixth and final cliffhanger episode of oh. the first season. Yeah, we we'll wow. watched the end. And, let, and can I just tell you something? I don't recommend that. Don't <laughs> do it that way. That's I thought not you were gonna say, can I tell you something? Here's what the cliffhanger is. <laughs> if it's ruined for me, it's ruined for everyone. Yeah. I just no spoiler warning. That's not one of my Peaky Blinders tips. Don't do it that way. And then my husband kept on saying, God bless him. He kept on saying, it'll be fine. We'll just go back and watch the first five. 
it'll be okay. Aww. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. And I, I just wanted to cry. I just wanted to cry. You, you but, should have just watched it backwards from there. It would have been like, like there's we a Seinfeld, there's a Seinfeld episode <laughs> that starts at the, the end and then it fills in the blanks as it, mm-hmm. as it goes through the half hour. Like you could have just, yes. okay, now we're going to watch episode five and we could just watch yeah. it backwards. I know we should have done that, but that's such a Bill Merman move. Um, that's, that is my, my husband early on in our marriage when he would do stuff like that. I would start to get a little bit, you know, like annoyed or frustrated by the goofy little happenings. And then he just said, this is who I am. This is, this is what you signed up for. And so here we are, our anniversary is tomorrow, 29 years tomorrow. And he's still doing, doing goofy things like that. And, and it's, and it works. And now I don't get annoyed by any of those things. I that works. Happen. If you say to your wife, this is what you signed up for, that gets yeah. you off the hook on everything. It, it works for him. taking notes. <laughs> it worked for him. But I, I mean, hey, you know, like I've spent the last 30 years in locker rooms. So, you know. Next, next holiday weekend, it's going to be Mary Kay's <laughs> marriage advice. Exactly. Does anyone else think that Peaky Blinders sounds like the name of a Browns cornerback? Like Greedy <laughs> yeah. Williams on one side and Peaky yeah. Blinders on the other side? That would be a great football name. Smoke Monday at safety. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Smoke Monday, Peaky Blinders and Greedy Williams. That, that would be epic. (laughs) That secondary is going to be on a PFF graphic like tomorrow. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Oh, we can always talk about PFF graphics, but we won't. We'll, we'll avoid, we'll avoid that. Dan, you're resisting Peaky Blinders. I mean, trust me. I'm not resisting it. I just have, like I said, I've got 75 episodes of Friday Night Lights to watch now. (laughs) Again. It's really Eric Taylor is inspiring. Um, Okay. This this was a question from Brian from Delaware, Ohio. And I'm actually going to take Brian's question. I'm going to change it because he says, given your knowledge about the game, play design and strategies, have you ever had a chance to coach a football team for a season? Uh, I coached like elementary school basketball for three years. That's, and I'm still, I am still haunted by a coaching decision I made in the last game um, when we were going to beat the only undefeated team in the league. And we ended up blowing like a eight point lead in the fourth quarter. I'm still haunted by that. What was the decision? I've heard you talk about this multiple times. What did you I, do to blow this lead? I, I, I just, I put the wrong kid at point guard. Okay. I put the, uh, there, I should have gone with what another was kid. His- what was his name? <laughs> yeah. So his Peaky name was Blinders? his address. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a system where I changed the point guards every quarter and I just, I should have just gone with another kid in the fourth quarter. And I was, you know what? I was trying to be too fair. You're I was going to say, how old were problem. these kids again? How this was like four, this was like fourth grade. Uh, okay. That's yeah. A, that's, that, that's an okay reason. decision. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But it's, it still haunts me. There's also another game where I was telling where, I should have had one of our kids switch a pick earlier. This kid just kept hitting shots against us over and over because we weren't switching the pick right. And I should have, I should have adjusted earlier. But listen, that's not the question, okay? The question here is, <laughs> have you ever had a chance to coach a football team for a season? I think the answer for all of us is no, maybe. But <laughs> I wanted to ask, if you were coaching a football team, I'm curious. And Doug, I feel like this is right up your wheelhouse. How, what would your offense look like? What kind of defense would you run? What kind of football team would it be? If you could just start from scratch and it's your team. I'm, I'm pretty sure we'd blitz every down on defense and run a gadget play on offense every play. So everything <laughs> would have like 
like two handoffs and a pass by the receiver. Everything would be a Jarvis Landry kind of play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you got to You got to spread them out. You got to spread them out horizontally and vertically. So it'd be a lot of a uh, short, quick passing. And I don't know if you can blitz in peewee football, probably not, but uh, <laughs> if you're not affecting the quarterback, you're not going to make anything happen. So we would be, would, we would do our best to do that. I, I, I would be terrible. I would be terrible <laughs> at it. So I, I've coached, I coached each of my daughters for a year in soccer. Uh, and I just was worried about getting the lineup straight. There was no strategy or anything involved <laughs> there. Um, but I just, I don't think I would have the emotional fortitude to handle myself in a football game where things are a little more complex and you're trying to execute, you got to block this and this guy has to run this route. And then you've got to have the, and I just, I couldn't handle it. Well, I told you I had a lot, a lot, a lot of jobs. So I actually did coach a football team for an entire season. That was one of my jobs. And it was the 2003 Cleveland Browns. (laughs) That's right. Oh, when did you coach a football team? I didn't really coach a football team. Oh, that was said that really convincingly. (laughs) You could have, you could have just gone, Mary Kay. I think your offense. I I think I know you well enough to, to think that your offense is going to air it out. Oh gosh, we this would is going to be four verts, four yeah, verts. spread offense, Go. airing it out. Absolutely. Don't need a running back. No. Mm-mm. I thought Mary Kay was going to say, and we had this running back named Booby, and he hurt his leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know about Friday Night Lights. But uh, that, oh. I mean, honestly, like I, we've all read those books. There's a lot of good sports books where it's sort of a year with right? Whether it's season on the brink or many other versions of that Friday night lights, which started off as a book of just covering a high school football team in Texas for a year. And Mary Kay Cabot coaching a youth football team is like a book waiting to happen. So Mary Kay, if, and when you do actually retire and you don't want to stop working, just find a football team to coach and then write a book about it for a whole year. I'd read it. I will. I will. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. If I don't go back to selling makeup and the reason why i sounded so convincing that should tell you why i was able to sell makeup yeah i just made you guys believe that i covered a football team for you sold me on that i had these all these women believing that they could look like movie stars and they believe (laughs) (laughs) see ashley what kind of offense would your team run i think mine's really similar to mary Kay's. honestly like i don't want a bunch of five and to quote doug five and six yard passes to tight ends like we're not doing that how much did that drive me crazy last year? So I think I'm going to go with Mary Kay's answer as well. And then on defense, I don't know. Can we clone JOK 11 times? Just give me 11 JOKs. I want to be able to move guys around and have them like do everything. I, I actually would run. I am still, I am intrigued by the idea of a two quarterback offense. And I think we'll have it someday oh, on a reasonably high level of football where you me just too. have two, two guys in the shotgun and you're not sure who it's getting snapped to, but both of them can throw and both of them can run. And sometimes you toss the ball. One quarterback gets the snap and tosses it to the other quarterback. And then that quarterback throws a pass and you just have two literal two quarterbacks. And so uh, I would make my team run that. Maybe your team could run that for the book, Mary Kay. (laughs) I would love it. I wasn't ever so much about both quarterbacks being on the field at the same time, but to strategically use two different kinds of quarterbacks in a football game on whatever down you see fit to throw them in there, like Lamar Jackson, and then have just some classic drop back passer occasionally to change it up and just mix and match. I, I wish that somebody would try something like that. 
Ryan Day, Doug. He recruits a new quarterback, a new five-star quarterback, like every single year. It's got to be him eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I can. I can. I can work on that. So there it's, you go. It's not Devin Brown or Dylan Rayola. It's <laughs> Devin Brown and Dylan Rayola. Yes. <laughs> on the field I can together. See Doug's column now. I. I don't know why I randomly was watching Dylan Rayola highlights today. Um, is it because he took a picture with Patrick Mahomes? I, that might he, be it. He kind of looks be like it. him. I think I saw. I think I saw that picture, and then I found out he was an Ohio State recruit, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go watch highlights. And he kind of tries to play like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he's but... he's does some off platform stuff. That it's one of those things. It's like you can't you can't compare a high school quarterback to Patrick Mahomes, but he does some off platform stuff with different arm angles. That's pretty interesting. Okay, uh, next question that we got. Should the new stadium be publicly financed? I'm not actually asking that. Somebody did send that into us, but no, we're not, we're not going to talk about that on this podcast. Um, are there Browns coaches you believe were fired prematurely? Mary Kay, is there one? Scott's not here. We can say Bill Belichick if we want. <laughs> That's funny. Um... This person threw out Rob Chudzinski uh, and Eric Mangini. Hmm. 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 I always thought one season was kind of short for Rob Chizinski. That was a little short for him. So yeah, he, he would be on my list. I, I wondered what he could have accomplished. Um, I don't know. <laughs> they were all just so awful that they just, they deserve. Well, I, I can't think of anybody else that stands out where I thought, Oh, geez, that guy really got, robbed no pun intended rob chizinski um but (laughs) yeah one year for him that seemed a bit weird yeah i can't think of one um so i'm gonna say bill belichick they should have never fired bill belichick (laughs) but scott's not here so i'm gonna say it wasn't the browns it was the ravens come on so it doesn't count just sorry just trying i'm just trying to get reactions out of people here ashley that's all um let's see fly through a few of these here from the 330 area code here's another job one if you weren't journalists, what career would you like to have? Oh, don't get me started. Can I just be, <laughs> can I just say like, I don't know, just super rich billionaire. Can I just say that? Yeah, sure. Socialite. I want to be a socialite. <laughs> socialite. You want to be the real housewives of Cleveland. Yeah. the Me and Mary Kay will start it. I need to get a husband <laughs> first, but we'll start it after that. We can arrange that. Okay. <laughs> It's hard, these questions like this, because I, there are people listening to this who do real things in the world that matter, that have real skills, Right? you know, like if you're a plumber or an accountant or a teacher or a nurse or a doctor, like you have, you're a welder, you have actual skills that further society. There are things that you learn that you can do things that most people, uh, you know, one of the, any of you people could do this. If you're listening to this, you could do this. So it's like one of those things. It's like, what, what other job could you have? It's like another thing where you write stuff. It's like, there. Yeah. that's it. It's like, what is the list of that? There's nothing else I can do. There's n- literally nothing <laughs> other than sit at a door and make somebody <laughs> sign a piece of paper before they walk <laughs> through the door and perhaps relay a message to your friends. Technically, um, there is writing involved in that and communication. See, you utilized all these skill sets. Um, 
No, honestly, like my classic line has always been like, I feel like I never truly had a backup plan. And I feel like if I did, I wouldn't be in this because it's so hard to get these jobs now, like not to turn it into a state of journalism conversation. But like, I think if you, if I had a backup plan, like there were times where it was really hard and like I was stringing and freelancing and working like seven days a week. And I'm like, am I ever going to get like a a beat writing job or get a job at a, at a paper. And it took a while and I finally got here. So I feel like if I had a true backup plan, um, this would not have happened for me. But on that note, I always joke, if I leave, I'll probably be a lawyer or something. I feel like that's the, the quintessential sports journalist backup plans go to law school. Well, I mean, what every journalist leaves the business to do is just do like media relations. Yeah. So it's basically all we're, it's all we're capable of. It's just media relations or communications. So uh, there we go. Uh, Dave Barnes, Richmond, Virginia, best concert you've gone to. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Oh God, I've been to so many good concerts in my life. It's so hard to pick one. Well, we know you didn't go to a 30 seconds to Mars concert. We know that from, we know that from the last one. Biggest regret in life. That's what we should. Let's go around the horn on that one. Um. I went to a really good Spin Doctors concert in college, which again, Spin Doctors, me, where one of my one of my one of the guys I was there with, we were like down in front of the stage and it was kind of like a mosh pit, and he like tried to get people to like lift him up and pass him around the mosh pit. And they got passed to like one person. And then the second person was like, I'm not doing this. And they dropped him <laughs> on his head. Um, but like, I didn't, I didn't try to do that, but they're, yeah, they're very catchy. Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. That's some good yeah, stuff. That's a, that's a good one. I, I mean, I've been to a couple of Pearl Jam concerts and those are always, you know, if, if you're into Pearl Jam, those are always good. Those are like two and a half hour long shows. It's like, all right, that's pretty cool. I have seen some random, I went through a phase in my life where I would go to any random like person playing at a rib burn off like that you've heard of. <laughs> so like Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh, great. Saw that. It was probably just Casey and then like some random people. I don't even know. <laughs> um, oh, Cuyahoga Falls does this rocking on the river thing. Mm-hmm. And they had. I forget. I think it's Iron Butterfly. They did that like 20 minute song, that Inagata DeVita song. Somebody out there knows who I'm talking about. Oh, and the guy, God. the guy stands up in front of everyone and says, we're very happy to be here in. And there was a long pause. And he kind of looked at the side of his guitar. We're very happy to be here in Kiahaga Falls. <laughs> so that's, that's the moment Funny. I remember. That. Well, I went to all of the World Series of, of Rock concerts in Cleveland and you guys probably aren't old enough to know what I'm even talking about Doug you're you're young you're still young too you don't you might not have heard of these concerts either um but these were classic 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 concerts I'll give you an example of one of them because they all kind of run together to be honest with you but 1980 and anybody World from that era of rock. you guys don't I've never heard of this no. i've heard of it i don't think oh. so i can't oh come on i found a set right. list from the 1980 worlds uh bob seeger def leppard eddie money the jay giles band that's the 1981 right yes okay that yeah that was a good one um and there was a one there was one with 
Pink Floyd. I went to that one. I, I went to all of these. There were a lot um, of these. Yeah, there were, it was, it was every year and it was what we all did in that era. We went to the world series of rock concerts and they were unbelievable. Who else was at the Pink Floyd one? I can't see if you can find that, Dan. But there was one that was Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Journey, Thin Lizzy, and ACDC. Come on. Jay Giles' band was all over these things. Mary Kay just made the Thin Lizzy face as she said that. She said like, (laughs) Thin Lizzy, yeah. Mm. It's like, okay, we're getting a picture of young Mary Kay. (laughs) Uh, You don't want that. Ooh, here's one with with Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. I mean, it was like I went to one with the Rolling Stones. Oh my god! Oh yeah! All yeah. right, now we're just now we're just I don't, reading. Now we're just reading. So yeah, stuff. I don't. I don't have nearly as cool of a name. Well, I don't apologize for liking what I like. I am a millennial, so like I've listened to slash do listen to basically probably every stereotype that people think millennial girls and women listen to. So one of my favorite concerts, I remember going to a Britney Spears concert, like when I was like peak age, like between like eight and 10 or something, seeing Britney Spears in Cleveland, in Cleveland, and it was crazy. Um, And then I also like recently, my favorite concert, I love Taylor Swift and seeing her at First Energy Stadium, Mm -hmm. like amazing. She's a great performer on top of being a great live singer. Um, so that was, it was really cool to see like how they did the stages on the field and, and all that stuff. So, um, my answers are pretty, I think some people would say basic, but again, I don't apologize for liking the music that I like. I went to the Taylor Swift concert too, and I loved it. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I'll tell you what, I would, I would love to go to Harry Styles. Yes. I, I would love to go to Harry Styles. So uh- I, I've seen One Direction in concert three times, and they slap. Oh, I would love uh, would love to see One Direction. Yeah, would have loved to see One Direction twice in Columbus, once in Toronto. Did you love it? It was awesome. Yeah, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. And the, I mean, the last the last time I brought my daughters, and but the <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I could tell. I sniffed. I think the last time we saw him in Columbus, Zane had already left. But uh, in the Toronto show, I could tell that Zane was disinterested. Oh, and yeah. the, the breakup was imminent because you could sniff him out. Oh, and, yeah. and, and I knew he was not long for the band at that yeah. point. Too so. bad. But you had the it. inside scoop. Fact, my daughter, my daughter just went to Harry Styles in London. Oh, my. You goodness. guys know I'm going I'm so to jealous. London. To, I'm going to see her, my daughter in London, leaving on Wednesday. She went to Harry Styles in London like about a week and a half ago. So, okay, Mary Kay, our texters are obsessed with your London trip. I just want you to know. You're going to have to actually, you're going to have to actually text from London. I, just, I will. I'll text from You're going London. to have to log on and text from London. Uh, but somebody asked, what do you want to see while you're there? I am going to see a, a show. I, I got tickets to see Mamma Mia. So I'm going to see at least one show. And I hope to see others just maybe walk up and, and get some tickets to something. Um, and other than that, I don't have any other set plans in London, but I hope to see and do a lot of things, uh, a lot of sightseeing and stuff. And then at least my daughter and I, I don't know if my husband's going to come with us, but for two nights, we are hopping over to Rome and I plan to go to the Vatican and to the Colosseum. And like I said, we're only there for two days. So it'll be hard to see everything 
but I've already seen London. So I figured if I'm going over to Europe, I want to at least see one more thing. So anybody out there has any tips on either London or Rome, let me know. Put them in our comments. Uh, last one here. We've been going here about an hour. Uh, so we'll make this our last one. This makes the assumption that football is our favorite sport to follow. So the question is just, what's your second favorite sport to follow? This comes from Brad in Perrysburg, Ohio. To follow? To like follow. To, just to pay to sort attention of, to? Yeah, that you kind of keep up with. And I actually watched, so I watched this year's Stanley Cup finals pretty closely. And that was the first time that I've watched. I used to be a big like hockey. I, I used to watch a ton of hockey. Um, and I was actually an Avs fan back when they were good. Um, and so having them back in the Stanley Cup finals, I think, is why I kind of was tuning in. So that was fun to kind of watch hockey games again. I kind of forgot how fun those were to watch. Yeah, I mean, mine is definitely basketball. I mean, I covered the Cavs, obviously, when the Browns were done this past year with Chris Fedor and um, played basketball for so long. So the NBA, too, I mean, the I just love like the personalities and the drama, like the free agency stuff is just I know, Dan, you tweeted something about watching the Brooklyn Nets fall apart yesterday. And it, it truly is great. It's, like, I, I I think no league does drama better than the NBA. Yeah. It's inc- it's incredible. Yeah. Like, like tons, like, remember the night Tunnel Gate happened when supposedly Chris Paul <laughs> led his teammates through the tunnels of the Staples Center to confront the Clippers? Like, he was, it, it was just nuts. Twitter was insane that night. I the, the personalities are too much in a great way. Yeah, the NBA is about as good as it's ever been. I mean, and the talent is so deep and spread out that every single team has a guy you want to watch and that you're interested in. And my daughter's a big NBA fan. And, and I just think that it, it's, a, it's such a driving force that um, when you have just amazing an amazing breadth of talent. And it wasn't always that way. I mean, for those, you know, if you paid attention to the, you know, sort of early two thousands post Jordan NBA, when everybody, the scores were in the eighties and stuff. And it's like, Oh my God, like this is, and what you have now with the league is amazing. I can remember very, very vividly when I was a baseball writer and helping out on football, I would help out on some Philadelphia Eagles coverage and stuff. Just thinking like, I don't think I'd ever want to cover football full time. <laughs> and I have come completely around on that. And I will just say, I really prefer both from covering it and I think following it, just watching it as a fan, the pattern, the rhythm of football is better to me. I like the, here's one game and then we have a week of strategy and build up and who's mad and who's going to play and how are you going to stop this team and how important is the game and thinking and talking about that. And then when you play, it really, really matters every time. You really can't blow, especially in college, but even in the NFL, one loss might screw you. I have a much, I have a very, very difficult time at this point in my life with basketball and baseball, just following the regular season where it's like, what happened? That ah, doesn't matter. Like yeah. I, I have a very, very hard time with that. And then get me to the playoffs and it's fine. But I really almost tune out the regular seasons of baseball and basketball. And there are many people listening to this who do not do that at all. And I used to not be that way, but I don't know if it's the sport or just your, my life or my age or whatever, but football fits to me. 
in the way in the rhythm of the game. And I, and I love that part of it. Yeah, I, I would have to say, I mean, every single sporting event is always on in my house. So I, I really have no choice but uh, to watch every single game that's on. Um, but I don't sit there the whole time and watch it. I just I'm kind of like passing through. I'm a putzer. I love to putz around and do stuff. And um, so I would I would probably probably say basketball because I do live in kind of a basketball household, as you guys kind of know, for the most part, it's a, it's a basketball house. So, um, yeah, I would say Cavs. I mean, I don't, I don't watch a bunch of other NBA teams, but I do watch the Cavs. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with Doug. That's the challenge I have. It's like, you know, it's hard for me to sit down on a Tuesday night and watch like, oh, here's the Cavs 28th game of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, I grew up watching basketball as a Cavs fan growing up. I mean, I, I would probably say basketball is my second, would be my sec my number two. Um, but still, it's just like, okay, it's January. I, it's January 23rd do I really need to watch this Cavs Wizards game I will say like I agree with like what Doug was talking about like the rhythm of the week of football like I really do have like found myself latching on to that like it it is really nice and like covering the NBA it could be weird where they have you know five home games in a row over a two-week period and then they're gone for two weeks and it's just a lot and like even from you know covering the Cavs last season I'll use as an example like they get into a rough patch because there's a bunch of guys injured. Right. And it's like, well, you know, you can't really go after them because like Darius Garland's not playing. Like, of course they're going to be losing right now. Like that's the solution. And they know that's the solution. And like, it is what it is like type of thing. So, um, and then even too, it's like, how many different ways can you say Evan Mobley is really good? Like he's a freak (laughs) at basketball, but like you have to write something after these games. Right. You know? So it is different. It is different in terms of like how you're writing and, and when you have that many more games, but when we get into the rhythm and football and the, and the storylines that kind of develop, like I've really enjoyed that part of, of this job. And when I was covering Michigan, it was, it was kind of the same way. And I guess this is not, I'm not only plugging like podcast culture. Cause I really do find myself doing this. I very much enjoy listening to people whose opinions I respect talk about sports And I almost like, I don't watch the NBA during the regular season, but I enjoy listening to people who do watch the NBA talk about the NBA and what did this game mean? And what does it, Oh, who might get traded and what should this team do? And why did this go wrong? Like I love that part of it. And I'm also guessing that there are some people listening to this because you are listening to a sports podcast who also think that it's why sports podcasts are everywhere. There must be a market for them. But I am almost to the point where I enjoy the discussion of sports almost more than the watching of sports that I'm happy to sort of let, unless it's a gigantic game, I'm happy to let someone else watch it and then <laughs> tell me what they think about it and why it's interesting. And maybe that's just because I'm a blabbermouth and that's what I do myself 24 hours a day. I. I'm I'm with you. I listen to more hours of NBA podcasts than I watch hours of NBA games. Yes. Like, sig- like significantly. There's a yes. significant difference in, in that. So maybe it's because I run too much. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, with the podcast, you can take it with you wherever you go. You can listen mm-hmm. to it in the car. You can listen to it on a run. You can listen to it wherever. You don't have to be sitting there watching a game for two and a half hours. 
I'll also say this. It's not a, a sport that I watch on TV, but there is nothing like, especially when you are college age, there's nothing like a good college basketball environment. I think even a college, like college football probably is, is more so when you're talking about like, you know, Columbus or, you know, LSU or, uh, you know, the, the big, the big dogs, but like, like I was at Kent state when their run started and the year they went to the elite eight. And even in that tiny gym with like a couple thousand people there, there was like, that environment was unbelievable. Like, so I, I think a good college. So that's, that's one of those ones where it's like, if I could experience it in person, that would be up on my list. All right. Our, uh, our ask us anything. Uh, we'll be back next week. A little delayed. We'll have a Mary, a Hey MK for you. Uh, we'll probably end up posting that a little bit later on Tuesday. Uh, so we'll record that on Tuesday and, and get it up a little later in the day on Tuesday and then back with our normal schedule after that. So just make sure you're subscribed. Like Doug said, people like to listen to other people talk sports. So that's what we do here on the Orange and Brown Talk <laughs> podcast. So if you're not subscribed, get subscribed on Apple or on Spotify. Make sure you rate and review us as well. And again, these questions came from our football insiders. Uh, if you want to be a football insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, get info and get signed up. It is July, so it is training camp month. And if you've been thinking about it, if you've been waiting for it, uh, now's the time you want to get involved in that. Uh, before Brown's training camp starts. So again, cleveland.com slash Brown's the blue banner at the top of the page. For Doug, Mary Kay, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Beers in the fridge. Pornos in the VCR. I'll be back in half an hour. <laughs>